What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can actually use the film festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling in film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So click the link below and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Market your film like a pro and become an army of one. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous, award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. The full lineup for the second annual 2018 DC Black Film Festival and our special guests are up at DCBFF.org. Make sure you check it out to find out the films that you can see August 16th through 18th in Southeast DC at the Miracle Theater. This week's show kicks off the DC Black Film Festival showcase on Picture Lock. For the next few weeks, I'll be bringing you interviews with some of the filmmakers whose films are in the festival. I gotta say, I really enjoyed getting the backstory to our filmmakers, and it helped me appreciate their films even more. On Friday, August 17th, we'll be showing a love and heartbreak block of films that deal with love and the heartbreak that sometimes comes with it. So today, I'm speaking with Chad Quinn, writer-director of For the Love of Music, Savannah Kopp, writer-producer of The Wedding Scene, Bruce Gorman Jr., writer-producer, director of Thurman Comes Home, and Prahim, writer-director of Stuck. You're definitely going to want to see these films at the festival, and you'll really enjoy getting to know these filmmakers and the stories behind their films on the show today. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hey everyone, this is Joe Newmeyer, film critic for 710 WOR in New York and a great friend of the Annapolis Film Festival. And you are listening to Picture Lock with Kevin Sampson. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and a product of the 80s crack epidemic, a young woman spending much of her youth as a ward of the state of NY struggles in her desperate search for love and acceptance and for the love of music. I have the film's writer-director on the line, Chad Quinn. Chad, welcome to Picture Lock. Thanks for having me, man. It's definitely a pleasure. 
Hey, man, the pleasure is all mine. I look forward to talking to you more about this film. First question I always start out with, Chad, when did you first fall in love with film? Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I would have to say when I was uh, maybe five or six, like I grew up in a household where we didn't have cable all the time. It was a luxury. Like when I say all the time, I mean it would be disconnected. <laughs> so when I would go like to my grandmother's house, it was like when, you know, back in the day, HBO would come on. When a movie would come on, it would be dun 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 It would be just music. <laughs> right. And it's like, it was an experience. So my experience at first started out at the home just watching movies, then going to the movie theater all the time. It's just something I always loved because I was didn't realize I was creating all of these same stories with my G.I. Joes and my, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I was always intrigued with telling stories. You know, I, what I love about that is, uh, you know, any time growing up for me in the beginning of the film, um, I would try to recognize what movie studio it was by the music. So, like, I would be like, oh, <laughs> you know, that's Paramount. Oh, that's TriStar. That's Orion. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I can totally relate <laughs> to you on that one. If we could, let's get a little history lesson. So how did you go from, you know, the boy that's sneaking in some HBO over at Grandma's <laughs> to uh, the man that's making these films now? Right. It's funny because it really is no rhyme or reason. Um, I wrote my first short story, maybe around 13. And um, I early on, I identified like I want to make films. But my background, my family, my mom and dad were like, look, business, make some money, not so much on the art tip. And I went to college, but I still was like, ooh, I want to make films. And I would study up. I had certain friends that were in film school. I did not go to film school. But then I decided one day um, in corporate America, like, I'm going to go ahead and really push to do this. So uh, I started writing a lot more, entering contests. I was able to place really well as a writer first um, and um, make a couple deals with some networks off my scripts. And then I started to just produce and direct my own independent work um, in short films. And now I have a feature coming out next year that I'm working on. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the writer-director of For the Love of Music, Chad Quinn. His film, For the Love of Music, will be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival during our Love and Heartbreak film block at 1.06 p.m. Chad, you know, that's kind of crazy because, um, you know, your work, I would have thought that you went to school and all that good stuff. I mean, your work is just that great. Um, so if we could, let's go ahead and jump into For the Love of Music. Uh, what was the inspiration behind creating this film? Well, first, I really appreciate that, man. Um, but I would say the inspiration was simple. I was working on another project that I wrote, and this woman that was working on the project with me, Ty Powell, she says, Cuddy, like, read, I just want you to read my book. Let me know what you think about it. And it was her life story. And I'm really, like, bougie about reading people's stuff because you don't want to tell them if it's bad or whatever. <laughs> and it just jumped out to me. Immediately, I visualized what it would look on the screen. I said, I love it. She says, okay, so can you write it and direct it? And that's kind of where it was birthed. The reason is because, as you talked about, this product of the 80s crack epidemic and um, just being in the, the system, a product of the system of child foster care, I'm also an educator. And I have a lot of students who are in foster homes or were in foster homes. And... When I think about stories like this, especially in the black and brown community, uh, when you think of maybe a Precious or a Pariah, 
these stories are so heavy. They're necessary to tell, but they're very heavy and they're very weighty. What I loved about um, what Ty did with this book, there was a lightness to this. So that was my goal when I decided to write it and then direct it. I said I want to make it very visually appealing where we could talk about some heavy stuff, but people still can walk away not feeling necessarily heavy. Right, which I think is a really smart move um, because, like you said, man, we have to talk about some of the issues that the film addresses. Um, And that's what I love about film. That's what I love about film festivals because for that moment, you know, you're a captive audience. The lights go down. You know, you choose to watch, you know, what's on the screen now, of course. It's a film festival. You could walk, get up and walk out if you wanted to. But I think that (laughs) when we're able to face, you know, some of these tough things that go on in life, what better a place to do it than in a movie theater? Because, you know, you're not really experiencing it. You're watching it. But then as soon as the lights go up, you know, you're able to talk about it. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, I'm not sure if you've been able to screen the film already, but what's been the audience reception thus far? Uh, really positive. Um, we did a couple of private screenings, first with the staff, then we um, screened in North Carolina. Uh, we did another screening in New York, and I wasn't at this one screening. I was at a, a, somebody else's screening the next night, and this woman came up and gave me the biggest hug, and she just said, thank you. You know, because what you're realizing, you're not telling one people, one person's story. Unfortunately, this is a story that many have experienced. And it's like they feel that their voice is now heard and cemented. So um, I think that's what's been so gratifying thus far uh, about this journey with this film. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer-director of For the Love of Music, which will be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival this year. Chad, I think that we're kind of beating around the bush in in a sense because, you know, we're not trying to spoil the plot, but... Um, this film does deal with, uh, like we said, some tough issues in terms of you know, foster care um, as well as sexual abuse. I want to ask about your, your, your lead actress. What was it like directing her through some of these, film, or some of these scenes, um, which are super tough you know, to, to endure mentally? And what was, what was kind of like her approach to it in telling the story as honestly as, as possible? Right, right. So we're talking about Andrea, who you can see on Power right now. She's on Star's Power, and she's also on HBO, The Deuce. And me and Andrea have worked together before. Um, I wrote another film that went pretty well, but this is the first time me directing her. So to answer your question, a lot of that takes a lot of pre-work. We met up a lot, and we would communicate about her level of comfort because I've directed sex scenes before. This is not a sex scene. This is an assault scene. You know, I wanted to make that distinction very early. And whatever she was comfortable with, it allowed me to not only direct her, but anybody that would be in the scene with her. Um, so we wanted to be very honest and authentic with the work. Um, we we would bl- I blocked off the scene with her, made sure that she was comfortable. And once she said, I'm here, whatever you need, that helped the other actors around her learn how to respond. and to just respond off whatever she's giving you. If she kicks you, she pushes you, you go off of that. You know, because it's like, it's the inverse, because I was empowering her, although in reality, the power was taken from her. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so her and Ty connected ahead of time, too, because this is Ty Powell, 
real life story. And we wanted to always, you know, honor that and just talk to her about not just that that assault, but like when you were that age, what else were you going through? What were your experiences? And she spent time, you know, Andrea's a real professional. She put time into the craft just to get to know Ty Powell as a person so she could really honor uh, and go into playing that role in a very authentic way. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, again, I, I think that that the goal was achieved and it's obvious that you all put a lot of hard work into it. Uh, again, folks, you'll be able to see this at the D.C. Black Film Festival during our Saturday uh, Love and Heartbreak. I'm sorry. It's our Friday Love and Heartbreak um, film block. Uh, Chad, if you could let folks know how they could follow you on social media, find out more about the film. Yes, you can follow me um, on Instagram or Twitter. I'm really not on Twitter like that, but I do everything through my Instagram account. It's Cuddy Q, C-U-T-T-Y-Q. Um, that's where right now you'll find out about this work as well as other projects that I'm doing in promote, as well as about a lot of my talent that I'm working with. Uh, we have a live store. Please come out to D.C. to see us. Then we'll be in New York. Then we're going to be in L.A. So we're going to be all around. But um, yeah, definitely follow us and, and take the journey. It's Chad Cutty Q Quinn on Picture Lock. Uh, make sure you guys come out and see For the Love of Music. Hey, Chad, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Hey, everyone. This is Omar Lewis, creator of BPVB, and you are listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and The Wedding Scene is a comedic short film about rewriting and revolting against harmful gender stereotypes. I have the film's writer-producer on the line, Savannah Kopp. Savannah, welcome to Picture Lock. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's my pleasure. So, Savannah, the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Um, I can't... <laughs> It's kind of hard to answer that question because I can't really remember not loving it. Um, I always watched movies as a kid, and I think as a little kid, they were especially transformative because I would, you know, watch a movie and then I would feel like I had to play out like the story again, um, you know, with my friends or. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also like wrote little plays with my friends as a child. And I think that was inspired by all the storytelling I was watching. Um, so I don't think I have a good answer for that besides that. Um, I can't remember not loving them. You know, I think that is the answer, right? Because uh, as you said, like, I thought the, the, the key word was transformative. Uh, I, I still have that transformative magic that happens to me. Like, you don't want to see me in the street after I go see Fast and Furious or a Mission Impossible movie. Like, it might be a little dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what films do. So, so I totally understand that answer, and I think that is the right one. So, Savannah, if you could, give us a little history lesson. Like, how did you go from the little girl that was being transformed by these movies to the woman that is actually writing and producing them now. Um, sure. So let's see. And I think it was in um, junior high. I was actually extremely um, influenced by this TV show, the OC. You might remember it. Um, yeah. It's a teen drama. Um, a lot of people forget that it's very funny. If you rewatch it, you'll be reminded. Um, 
But I really loved that show, and I used to watch, you know, special features about writers' rooms, and I'd, like, pause so I could read the post-its in the background of the um, of the clips, because um, I was so curious about, you know, how shows were written as a group and that kind of thing. And so starting when I was probably about 12, I used to say that writing for TV was my tr- dream job, but... Um, I grew up in Northern California and I didn't know anyone who made movies or anything like that. So I, I used to just say it was, you know, a dream job and I didn't really know how people did it. So then when I, I went to Stanford um, and when I went there, I decided to major in psychology um, because that was a real interest of mine. But I, decided like right away that I was going to take as many writing classes as I could. And um, so I started taking writing classes as soon as I got to college. And I realized that whenever I was writing, I would completely lose track of time and, you know, forget to do other things (laughs) when I was working on my writing assignments. Um, And so I, I decided that during freshman year, like, it's not like I had another dream job that was more realistic. So I was like, I should just do the actual dream. Um, You know, I feel like 18 is kind of too young to decide you need to have a serious job. So, um, so I took, I, I started taking like playwriting and other classes. And then sophomore year, I produced a play on campus that was um, a comedy one act show. Um, And then I, I started you know, trying to go to all these talks that they had at school from from screenwriters and things like that. And then after sophomore year, I did a couple internships in LA for the summer um, where I I was reading scripts, doing script coverage um, for a couple film companies. And then um, I did another internship like that when I was studying abroad in Paris the next year. And then... um, yeah, I just kind of made it my plan that I would move to LA after I graduated college and I would um, pursue writing. So I I did move like a week after I graduated um, and I had an internship at Disney Channel that was like working and developing TV shows. Um, and then I kind of got jobs from that internship and I am now, I work on a like my day job is um, working in a writer's room for a Disney Channel show. That's pretty um, doggone I'm, cool. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm the writer's assistant, so I like type up the scripts and edit them, and as all the writers kind of discuss story. But um, it, that's what um, a writer's assistant is for our show. But I I also get to pitch jokes and participate a lot, which. Um, so it's extremely fun. And I realized the other day, I was like looking at the wall in the writer's room and all the writing on the wall was writing that I did. You know, I, I wrote all the post-its and I put them up and I typed up, you know, typed up all the cards. And I was like, oh my gosh, if there was a video in here, I would have been that little kid pausing it and reading everything on the wall. And now I'm the <laughs> person who wrote everything on the wall. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Everything yeah. comes full circle. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. <laughs> I'm talking to the writer-director of The Wedding Scene, Savannah Kopp. 
Uh, Savannah, I think that that is awesome. You followed your dreams, um, and you're making it happen with a full-time job where you're in a writer's room, but then also you have the wedding scene, which we'll be playing during our Friday morning Love and Heartbreak film block at the DC Black Film Festival. If you could, for the audience, uh, in your own words, what is the film all about? Okay, great. So um, the wedding scene takes place behind the scenes of an indie movie. So it's about a movie within a movie. Um, And the movie within the movie is a stereotypical um, mob action movie. And the wedding scene is about, um, mainly about Nina, who's played by my co-producer, Amy Argyle, who is an actress cast in a very stereotypical love interest role. Um, And she, as an actress, brings a lot of integrity to her character and has really overthought the backstory and the motivation of her character. On this day that they're filming the wedding scene, she gets cold feet on behalf of her character, Quinn, and decides she can't go through with with the wedding. So it's um, a stop the wedding uh, story about actors um, figuring out how to not play the parts they've been written and how to kind of revolt against a, a scene that doesn't make narrative sense. So unfortunately, we're going to kind of have to wrap up here, Savannah. But if you could, I'm interested as the writer, you know, why was this something that you Mm -hmm. wanted to write? Was this kind of inspired from real life? Because I think it's one is a really funny film. But then at the same time, I think it addresses some key issues. Yeah. So I I just care so much about representation in film, especially like gender and especially gender representation. And I I hate watching a movie where with kind of these tropes of like a silly female character who you can just tell was written by a man and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of male characters who don't express their feelings. And I think that there are these, these stereotypes and they are harmful and they perpetuate, um, you know, our gender norms. And I, think that as a writer, it's my responsibility to write better representations than that. But I also know that like when you're employed on a movie, um, you know, as an actor or a producer, or even when you are a writer and you can be like the director might change your vision and or the people who pay for the movie might change it. Um, There's so many people who are involved in creating a stereotype and some of those people disagree with it, but have to play the part anyway. And I, um, so I kind of wanted to look at that, like all the people who are kind of complicit in creating that, those stereotypes and what would happen if they um, tried not to. Um, and then the other thing that really inspired me was um, Amy Argyle, who I mentioned plays the main character, Nina. She, she and I used to be roommates and we've made two movies together, um, actually along with our director, Dan Levy-Dagerman. Um, and she is an actress and um and she i know as from being her friend and former roommate has been in countless movies where she kind of just plays the girlfriend and um hearing how much thought she puts into her character to try to explain why she would do these things like basically the backstory that the writer was too lazy to put in or to understand like oh maybe she wouldn't do that 
so Amy comes up with a reason why, okay, well, maybe this is what I'm really thinking. Um, and just kind of seeing how much integrity she brings to, to parts that don't deserve it um, really inspired me to write something where her character would get to the final say. <laughs> awesome. So, Savannah, if you could let folks know how they can follow you guys on social media and find out more about the film. Okay, great. Um, so, you, uh, first of all, I want, to, I want to say that our first film is on YouTube. It's called Mere Players, M-E-R-E Players. Um, and that's also about actors and kind of a meta story. For the wedding scene, you can see that. Follow us on our Facebook page, which is at wedding scene short and um you can follow me on twitter at cuckoo savannah it's c-o-u-c-o-u-s-a-v-a-n-n-a-h writer producer of the wedding scene savannah cop thanks so much for coming on picture lock thanks for having me kevin this was great let's take a quick break for promos stay tuned What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. What's up, guys? Picture Lock's question of the week last week was, when did you first fall in love with film? You answered. (laughs) I don't know if it was because I asked you all to call in, but it was dead silence minus on the gram at the underscore forge underscore studios saying, I love the idea. And at Epic Film Guys, Justin, who responded, I've done this with you before. No phone call necessary. Haha. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate you guys, uh, Forge Studios guys over there, as well as Justin for saying something. Uh, but it seems like we might need to hold off on the call-ins for now. I mean, it was like dead silence, not even in the comments, which is unusual for you guys. So this week's question, in light of our love and heartbreak film block, What's your all-time favorite romantic movie? I mean, there's so many to choose from. I think for me, probably, I'm going to go with uh, Love and Basketball. That one gets me every time. But, you know, there's plenty of them. The Princess Bride kind of fits in that category. And, I mean, ah, man, I just can't wait to hear you guys' responses. You know what? I don't care. Let's try the phone call again. I want to hear it. Leave me a message, 60 seconds or less, on what your all-time favorite romantic movie is, and I'm going to do my best to play it on next week's show. Just call in, leave me your name, where you're from, and then let me know your all-time favorite romantic movie and why. 60 seconds or less, though. 202-350-1351. Hit me up. Uh, you can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com. 
and I'll read your answer on next week's episode. So hopefully we can get some voices this week. Make that call. If not, just leave a message in the comments. Hi. Hey, everybody. This is Robin Hauser, director, producer of Bias Documentary. You're listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and a homeless man reflects upon his life when he is visited by an old mentor in the film Thurman Comes Home. I have writer, producer, director Bruce Gorman Jr. on the line to talk about it. Bruce, welcome to Picture Lock. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Bruce, before we jump into Thurman Comes Home, first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Uh, first falling in love with film, I've always loved movies. Um, spent a lot of my childhood watching uh, just the, you know, HBO and, uh, and Prism growing up, watching movies over and over. But I think, uh, I think I was about 13 when I came to realize that I was more passionate about uh, film than pretty much about anything else. I gotta, I gotta go there, Bruce. Like, what, what happened at thirteen? Like, what was it that you saw some <laughs> film, or like, what, what, you know? Let me know. <laughs> I was, I was trying to spare you a longer anecdote. Um, basically, my father, um, and stop me if this gets boring. Uh, my father had these, um, these books by a British film critic named Leslie Hallowell, and they, these books would have pretty much every movie ever made in it. He, it would be a very short synopsis and then what he thought of it. He, you know, basically, if it was American, he hated it. If it was British, it was wonderful. Um, he'd have the cast and he'd have you know, the awards that it won. <laughs> and I would just flip through this thing for hours. And I started making lists of, you know, the Academy Award winning films and what was nominated. And I started memorizing like all the best pictures. And um, I would spend hours looking at this thing. And I think that's when it occurred to me that, wow, yes, this is something that, uh, that I like better than anything else that was not boring boring bruce that was not boring in fact you know what? i think i just realized that i get a high off of hearing out when people fell in love with film because like I, I everybody whatever they say i'm like yeah i get that i get that and so uh yeah definitely was not boring i, I think that's hilarious <laughs> any american film was trash <laughs> but <laughs> uh. <laughs> but if you could take it's me, it's all true. It's all there. Yeah, <laughs> if you could take me from the thirteen-year-old boy that's reading uh, film critics to uh, the director of Thurman Comes Home, how did you get into the industry? Well, I, um, I, it's actually a good point to start. I always wanted to be a writer, um, and I kind of, but I kind of recognized at the age of you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen that I, I didn't know anything about life. I didn't know anything about the world. Um, and so I've sort of, you know, at this point, uh, significantly older now, and I've, you know, been out and working in the world. And I think I finally got, uh, some world experience that would, you know, give me, give rise to stories that, you know, hopefully would mean something to people. And, um, I have a regular job, a day job, a survival job as they call it. Um, but I've always wanted to make a movie and, uh, I live in New York city and I took some classes, uh, at night, uh, School of Visual Arts, and I kind of put myself through my own private film school by just buying all the books that are out there on how to make a movie and the things that are that are made in film schools. And, and a good friend of mine, his name is Mauricio, had gone. I met in law school. He went to UCLA film, UCLA film School when he was younger, and he told me, he says, all you really need is a script. He says, if you have a script, if you have an idea, everything else can be arranged. You can hire the people. You can get, you know, the people who have trained and know how to do this stuff. And this was about ten years ago, and. Ten years later, lo and behold, he was right. Um, so that's kind of, it took a long time to get into it, but um, 
going back to the SVA thing, that's how I met uh, the lead actors in my film, uh, Richard Bird and Wesley Spencer, who are, are fantastic actors. And I just to put a little plug in for them, I really hope people come out and see the performances they gave uh, in Thurman Comes Home. Um, the movie itself comes from, we had to write a three-page uh, dialogue for class, uh, just anything outside at night, uh, taking advantage of the light. And this story is uh, based on some work I did with the homeless, and it's based on a guy I met once uh, who I actually represented and uh, got to hear the story of his life. And, and the character of is loosely based on him and uh, is beautifully portrayed by, uh, by Richard Bird. And the movie is about uh, basically a homeless guy who has spent his entire life on the street or in jail, and he meets up with an old mentor who he really looked up to, and that's the, the setup. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the anomaly, Bruce Gorman Jr., who at 13 realized he didn't know everything there was to know about the world. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever heard a teenager <laughs> that that uh, actually realized that. <laughs> He's a writer, producer, director. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, Bruce is the writer, producer, director of Thurman Comes Home. Uh, Bruce, uh, you've kind of set up for the audience, you know, what the film is all about. Um, but you know what? I want to know, uh, outside of it being, uh, you know, a class project, what inspired you to write this? Why do you think that this is a story that needed to be told? You know, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny question. The, um, you know, I try to be private about my spiritual beliefs. I don't believe in, you know, kind of telling the world, you know, here's what I believe and you should believe it too, et cetera. But um, I do believe in a higher power and I did want to write something uh, at some point that wasn't just for me. That was kind of, you know, I guess had sort of a higher purpose to it. And I had to do this, this thing for class. So I thought, oh, you know, why don't I try it on this one? And this story came out that I didn't know was in there. Um, but it seemed to have an effect on people. Um, People in class liked it. Uh, Richard and Wesley came for the class to be the actors for it. But when it was over, I said, you know, do you guys want to do this for real? And they said, you know, yeah, let's do it. Um, so why this story came out, why it needed to be told, um, I'm not sure how. I just know that, you know, I'm very glad that it did. And it's been a terrific experience for the three of us um, to get into festivals such as, you know, DC Black Film Festival, which we are very much looking forward to. Most definitely, man, and uh, no need to be ashamed to say that. I, I think that that's, uh, that's a great thing, and that's the reason why I wanted to ask that question is because uh, I think, especially in the D.C. area, uh, and right now, you know, I currently live in Charlotte, I mean, homelessness is everywhere, but how often do we actually talk to the person that's on uh, the side of the road with the sign or that's sitting under the building, you know, it, it, I mean, I, for me personally, I try to do it. I remember um, going to D.C. Uh, when we first went in like 2008, my wife and I, we lived there for almost t 10 years. And I remember I was going from uh, Columbia to, uh, to, to D.C. And I tell my friends this all the time, you know, uh, growing up in church and stuff like that is like, hey, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. So like, people would be asking me for money. And so I'm like, here, 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 here. And I just realized at a point, I was like, wait a second, there's so many homeless people in DC. Like I can't, I'll be broke. Um, and so uh, the, right. whole, the whole reason for my story with that is, um, but at the same time, like sometimes it's just talking to someone, someone, sometimes it's like, maybe you got, you know, um, you didn't eat all your lunch, but like 
are we actually talking to these men and women, uh, finding out their backstories and things like that? And so that's why I was probing for like kind of the deeper answer, because the film does have uh, a certain amount of love and care to it that I do believe uh, said, and in my opinion, states that like, hey, somebody really cares about this subject. Yes. And and to, to give you some context, I'm not one of these people who is, I mean, I try to be loving, I try to be compassionate, I think that that's the key to life, um, but I'm not somebody who was interested in the homeless. Um, it just sort of happened to me. I was living in Florida at the time, and I, for whatever reason, I just got, I felt this urge to go feed the homeless, and I moved back to New Jersey, uh, in the Princeton area, and went to Philadelphia. Uh, I had a cup of soup and uh, thermoses of, uh, you know, boiling hot water that uh, stayed hot, and I just went out there, and I knew that two things would happen. One is that um, I would meet other people who were doing this, that there was this whole kind of underground uh, world of people who just went out and fed the homeless and took care of people, and I did. And the other thing I knew is that I would meet somebody named Moses the first night. I, again, no idea why this happened. Sure, sure enough, I met a guy named Moses who was from North Carolina, and we had a really lovely conversation, and he's no different than anybody you might talk to anywhere, other than the fact that when the conversation was over, you know, I went home and he was sleeping on the street. And this was in, uh, I think, the Love Park area of Philadelphia by the 15th and Market, where I, was, where I used to feed folks. Um, and it's, so, you know, I, again, I, I was not interested in the subject, just sort of happened into it. And, and one of the ironic things, too, about uh, there's two connections to Thurman, the Thurman movie. One is that I learned uh, in the Thurman movie, it's 18 degrees. And I know, and I picked that temperature intentionally because 18 degrees was kind of the turning point when feeding the homeless was, it was sort of too cold to be out on the street. So when it was 18 or below, um, you had to go looking for people. If people were on the street, they were sleeping on top of a hot grate, but otherwise you couldn't find them. That was kind of the turning point. So in our story, it's 18 degrees and Thurman is out on the street. And actually the day that we filmed, lo and behold, it was 18 degrees and snowing uh, right on the knot, right on the button, which wow. basically... So the, perform the performances you see in the film are, are they're really good in my opinion. I think they're terrific, both Wesley and, and Richard, but they're even better because they're doing this in freezing temperatures um, and Wesley's not even wearing a jacket uh, uh, and is freezing half the time. Um, and then, of course, Richard is, is sitting on the street and he's, he's literally sitting on a box in the snow um, trying to keep warm, trying to get his line straight and trying to be thermic and, and he pulls it off. Um, I thought remarkably, and I told him repeatedly, I said, you know, this film rests on you, Richard. You, if you are bad, this movie's not going to be very good. <laughs> you have to bring it. Um, and he did. Uh, so it was a great experience. And then the last connection with the homeless thing and the Moses thing was the director of photography. Ironically, his name is Raphael Moses, uh, which I realized only a couple of months ago. So uh, interesting connections on this film. Yeah, well, we're making all kinds of connections here today on Picture Lock. I'm talking with writer, producer, director Bruce Gorman Jr. of the film Thurman Comes Home, which you can see in our Friday Love and Heartbreak, a film block at the DC Black Film Festival. Uh, just wrapping things out here, Bruce. Uh, if you could, how can folks follow you on social media, find out more about the film online? Uh, if you go to uh, ThurmanComesHome.com, uh, we'll take you to uh, my, my webpage, which has some films, and we also have Thurman Comes Home on Facebook, which uh, Richard Bird runs. Um, that's how you can find us. And uh, obviously, if you like the film, want to contact any of us or want to hire any of the actors in the film, uh, I'm more than happy to uh, pass on their information. Awesome. Writer, producer, director of Thurman Comes Home, Bruce Gorman Jr. Bruce, thanks for coming on Picture Lock. Thank you.
great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Hey, everyone. This is writer, director, star of the film Gold Star, Victoria Negri, and you're listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and Stuck is a romantic comedy that follows two strangers, Ebony and Dre, who become physically wedged in the act of a one-night stand. Their only path to separation is to be vulnerable and share a secret with one another. I have the film's writer-director, Prahim, on the line. Prahim, welcome to Picture Lock. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Prahim, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Wow. I was probably very young, like five, six years old, and I think snuck into grandparents' house and saw a Spike Lee movie on HBO, and from there I was kind of hooked and was playing with video cameras and taking pictures and trying to express myself visually ever since. I love it, man. I got to know what Spike Lee film was it? Uh, it was Do the Right Thing was the first one that I saw. That is a good one to start off with. I could definitely see how you get hooked off of that. So, so far this year, you're the second person that has said Do the Right Thing. Uh, shout out to Melissa Costanza Miller. But uh, that's a that's a great answer. Prahim, if you could, um, take me from the little boy that's sneaking into grandma's house to watch Do the Right Thing to the man who has created Stuck. Okay, so, I mean, started from, like, sneaking around watching movies. My family, we would always go out and watch movies and popcorn, so I always had a love for watching movies. But as a kid, I would, like, do short stories, write poetry. Um, eventually, I kind of elevated into photography and doing things of that nature, um, and once I realized I wasn't going to make it as a basketball player, I started <laughs> to have to really think about what my career was going to be. And I, I found out about filmmaking. It's like, okay, wow, I can combine all these things that I like, writing and the visual elements. And there were people, there were black people like Spike Lee and the Hughes brothers and uh, Gina prince Blythe with this. So there was this representation, this new wave of the 90s black filmmaker that was letting me know that, hey, this was something that I could do. And so by the time I got to high school, I would say about 15, I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I just started moving in that direction, graduated from high school, went to Howard University, earned my bachelor's in film from Howard, um, had a lot of fun at Howard, learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about like independent grind and making films, uh, doing everything by myself. Uh, but after I graduated, I still felt like I needed more knowledge. And so I decided to go to graduate school. I went to Florida State University, and I earned my master's in film production from Florida State. And then uh, after I graduated, I went back home to Richmond, Virginia, and I decided it was time to, to, to put all this education to use, and I made my first feature film. I started writing my first feature uh, called Troop 491, The Adventures of the Money Lions. Um, we went on to produce that, uh, shot it, all in Richmond, Virginia, uh, came out with it in 2013, traveled around with festivals, uh, it aired on television, and so did that. Long story short, moved to Los Angeles back in 2015, and then once I got out here, I was challenged by a filmmaker to, you know, see if I could still make something, because he was like, yo, after two four ninety one is good, but... You haven't made anything since 2013. You haven't been on set since 2012. Can you do it again? And so I was challenged to make a movie, and that's how I came across Stuck. And so Stuck.
up was an idea that another filmmaker, a writer, shared with me and told me about the idea. And I was like, hey, man, I just got this challenge. Somebody challenged me to make a movie. Do you mind if I take this idea and, and run with it? So he gave me the idea, took some time to write it, put a team together, went back to Richmond, shot it, came back to L.A., cut it all together, and then we were finally finished in, like, February 2018 and, and started putting it out in the film festivals. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the guy that's not afraid of a challenge. It's Prahim, the writer-director of Stuck. Prahim, I, I really enjoy that story in terms of the fact that, like, you know, you went to HU. Shout out to HU. Uh, and then, you know, film has taken you to these various places. Um, but you've stuck with it. And now we have, you know, the comedy uh, <laughs> Stuck. If you could, for the audience that's listening... Um, just give in your own words what the film is all about. So clearly it's about, you know, two strangers hooking up and getting stuck in a one night stand. But on a deeper level, it's, it, I wanted to talk about how millennials and young people today are so quick to do like the most intimate act. And this is what happens with this couple. So they, they have the most intimate act. And then from there, they actually take the time to get to know each other. And I just thought it was something funny that millennials do. Uh, myself, I've done it myself. And it's just something that, you know, I just thought it would have been an interesting story to kind of play around with. And then also taking a look at, like, gender roles and, like, who we would expect to be the more vulnerable person, who we would expect to be the more needy person. And I just wanted to make something funny and sexy and black that wasn't your traditional <laughs> romantic couple. <laughs> man, I love that. Funny and sexy and black. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and I think that you definitely nailed it uh, with Stuck on that. And, and, and that, re that reversal of, hey, uh, let's get intimate before we actually get intimate. And, and so, you know, the two characters are able to kind of really talk and get to know each other, but it's like post, it's after the fact. Um, if you could kind of talk about, you know, you going off of this premise, but then actually structuring a script in which we can uh, follow you know, more than just the premise, right? So a, a lot of times some people, they come up with like this idea, hey, what, what if two people got stuck together, you know, uh, in, in the act, right? And then from there, it's kind of like you can tell, okay, this is where the writing died. That doesn't really happen with this film. So could you talk a bit about like, um, you know, writing post the big premise? Okay, so it, it took time. Um, so my writing process is I like to just sit with the idea for a little bit and let it marinate. Um, in between the time of receiving the idea and actually starting to write, I was working as a locations manager on uh, Netflix's Burning Sand. And so it was like, all right, I didn't have the time to just jump right into it. So it was marinating. And it was like, all right, I need to figure out, like, how to make this stuff happen naturally and then also try to make it flow in a, a realistic uh, kind of pace. And so it just took time. I started figuring out, like, all right, so what are my two characters? I was deciding on whether it was going to be an interracial story um, because it could have it could have taken so many different lanes depending on what avenue I wanted to take it. But because I knew going into it, I, I wanted to do something that had two black people, um, preferably, 
complete chocolate and, you know, I didn't want to necessarily have, like, super light-skinned people person or anything like that. I want to just have somebody who reflected me. And so um, that kind of set a path for me. It's like, all right, well, what are some of the uh, things that are going on between a black man and black woman in this time? Uh, you know, we're living in this Me Too movement. We're living in like this whole awakening of women. And so I, what I wanted to create was like a strong black woman who was in control and who was doing more so leading the story. So instead of, you know, we see the guy kind of approach her, but she's the one who's making the decision to take him back to her place and she's in control. And so it's like, I wanted to create a strong woman character. I wanted to um, show women in control of their destiny and things of that nature. And so again, that kind of helped guide the way the storyline was going to be. Um, and then from there, it was like, all right, so we're back. We know they're going to have sex. I, I didn't want it to linger too long on the sex or make it something that when we shot it, it was going to be too explicit. So I wanted to make sure that there was a natural way for us to kind of cover up. So try to write it into the script so that basically by second page or the second minute, she'd be no longer naked, but she could still be suggestive. Um, and then trying to figure out some secrets that would be humorous, but not and serious, but not too crazy that it would take us out. And so I had, like, a, a story that was similar. Um, I Like, I basically, I had a film from film school that told the story of Willie Drippington, who was a middle-aged bedwetter. And it was like, <laughs> I, I think I could kind of use this secret for the guy. And I was like, all right, now I need to figure out, like, what's the secret that's going to top this one? And and it just kind of stumbled across of it, thinking about myself personally, like, yo, what would kind of freak me out and, <laughs> and make me lose connection? And so, you know, naturally stumbling across these these ideas and these stories by just thinking about, hey, how would my character, how would I react to the things that I think would happen? And so that's just kind of how it happened. It took me almost maybe six months to a year to kind of get the script in a place where I felt like it was ready for production. Um, but I'm like, I was putting it out there, getting notes from different people. I have like a, um, like a trusted community of kind of storytellers and artists who I send my work to and get feedback on. And so I just tried to make it the, the tightest 20 pages. I think it was less than 20 pages to make it the tightest um, script that I could possibly get, make it the funniest. And not everything you see in the movie is what's in the script. Like the script had way more jokes and way more commentary that just ended up getting cut out. But luckily it helped add to the story and to the, I guess, to the, the development of their individual characters in the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the writer-director of Stuck, Prahim. Uh, Prahim, the thing that I really appreciate about all that you just said, um, which was a lot, but in a good, in a good way, is you really allowed this thing to cook, right? Like a stew. Uh, the longer that thing sit, you know, you get the flavors going and all that. And so I really appreciate the time that you put behind it because, you know, I feel like that's evident on uh, the big screen. And even as you were talking about, you know, filming the act, like there's a certain way that, um, you know, the movie displays that. That is, I mean, you're not showing it, It's, but it's com it's comical. And so just thinking about all of the the different ways that, you know, you, you really kind of thought about things and then wrote from there. It wasn't a rushed job. Um, so 
kudos for that. Oh, man, I wanted to, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to wrap out soon, but I did want to kind of go back because I thought one thing that you said was really interesting is that you thought about making it, um, it would it be an interracial couple? Um, and I think that definitely would have changed things a whole lot. And then, you know, just in terms of uh, choosing it to be two chocolate people, or chocolate skin, I should say. <laughs> but um, I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, just as a writer, right? Like, one, what would that story have been like with, with the interracial couple? But then two, kind of going back to what you had, what you've already addressed, um, I think it's really interesting to kind of have, as you said, chocolate folks that are, you know, coming together and the issues that they deal with. I think I know what I'm saying is kind of like a little bit crazy, but what I'm trying to get at is we all bring our life journey to a relationship. And the difference mm-hmm. between the life journey of a black man, you know, a white woman, or however you might have put it, if it was a white uh, male and a black woman or, you know, whatever that's totally different than the story of two black folks coming together. And so this might not really have anything to do with stuck, but it's more of um, a question as a writer um, and playing with that juxtaposition. Is what I'm saying making sense to you? But I'm just kind of wondering if we could kind of expand upon that a little. Oh, I think I I understand completely. And so Part of it was like, all right, so I worked full-time in the cannabis industry, and I was at work. I was talking about the idea with one of my coworkers, and it was like, yeah, man, I'm thinking I can do it, um, and it could be interracial, and we could talk about all these things that are going on inside, and we could talk about Trump, and it, was, it would just be a vehicle for me to address some of these current issues. Right. And my boy was like, man, forget all that nonsense, man. We need some black love, man. <laughs> we need to see black people coming together. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I want to do something for us that, ele- you know what I'm saying? It's just like something fun that's it's, it's sexy and it's for us and not necessarily so heavy because you can take that interracial thing and do so much because, again, these are strangers hooking up with each other and it's like, how are they dealing with each other in conflict? The Those, those are nuances that can be developed on so many different ways. It could be done with black and white. It could be done with black and Asian, black and Latina, Latina. So it can be right. kind of redeveloped for any specific interracial or different uh, uh, sexual uh, relationship. I mean, it, it, this concept can be utilized and played around with, with all different types, and the story would be completely different just depending on the two people who are stuck together and, like, what do they have hidden inside of themselves that they're not letting out, you know? And, yeah, it, it, I, I think, you know, if I ever come back and do something else with it or maybe do it into, like, a series and just play around with it, there's so much that can be done with it, you know what I'm saying, just expression. I, and one, I don't know because I, I didn't spend too much time thinking on it, but I know I could have made something completely different. Yeah, most definitely, man. And I think you know, just to me, like in maybe uh, a parallel universe, it would be really interesting to see if it was a series and it was, you know, you're mixing different people, you know, to get like that. The 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 conversation that occurs um, post 
just would be really interesting. So anyways, I know I got off topic. Uh, let's get back to it. If you could, for the audience, kind of wrapping out here, how can people follow you on social media or find out more about the film online? Okay, so the best way to follow me on social media is just to check for Prahim. I'm on all social media platforms. It's Prahim. That's P-R-A-H-E-M-E. Um, also, you can check us at my website, Prahim.com. Or you can also check us out on my website, Troop491-MuddyLions.com. No, That's for the old film if you want to check out what I've done in the past. And then hopefully we'll be able to see you guys out at the D.C. Film Festival, the D.C. Black Film Festival. Yep, most definitely. Again, guys, you've been listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with the writer-director of Stuck, Prahim. His film will be playing uh, at the D.C. Black Film Festival. Prahim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Kevin, thank you so much, man. It was an honor talking to you, and I hope I get to meet you in person at the festival. I hope the same, brother. I hope the same. <laughs> That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Chad Quinn, Savannah Cott, Bruce Gorman Jr., and Prahim for coming on the show. Be sure to catch up on back episodes of the podcast and subscribe in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock and tune in, and I'll come right up. I do it myself like every Friday just to listen to the show again, take notes, and how I can improve myself. It's so much fun. I really do like Alexa. Like, she does make our lives a little bit easier. Uh, Let's get back to it. <laughs> Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Be sure to follow me on the Stardust app for my quick movie TV and trailer reviews. Just look up at Picture Lock Show and I'll be there. I'm going to try to go see uh, Mission Impossible as, uh, you know, this is airing. I probably saw it yesterday. But uh, I definitely want to go ahead and put my review up there for that Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash picture lock show and subscribe. Definitely want to get my movie reviews going. But, you know, I got this little thing called DC Black Film Festival that's coming up. Again, you can get your tickets at dcbff.org. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. Now, this week's question of the week What's your all-time favorite romantic movie? Drop me a voicemail at 202-350-1351. 60 seconds or less, your name, where you're from, and the answer to that question. Or send me an email and let me know at picturelockshow at gmail.com or, of course, any of Picturelock social media pages, and I'll talk about it on the air next week. All music is done by Mike S., the producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S., the producer 13. 13 that's numeral one three and hit him up for your music production needs thanks bro i'm kevin sampson and until next time i hope you get some dcbff tickets i hope you stay locked on film <laughs>